0: Josie DeVidio is a woman with too much time on her hands and a curiosity to explore the human experience with a passion to bring entertaining and informative content to your ears. Real talk, real people. This is Josieology. Hey friends, welcome back to the Josieology podcast. I am your host, Josie DeVidio, and today I'd like to start exploring meditation. Now, Before you start thinking, uh uh-oh, she's starting to get woo on us, I just want you to know that I love exploring all different kinds of topics from all different angles. And so today, I'm going to be speaking with Lane Kennedy, a professional biohacker, author, and mindset coach who is here today to tell us her story and how it led her to meditation. You know, she credits meditation to changing her life and even saving her life. So. Lane, welcome to the show. So good to be with
1: you, Josie. Thank you for having me.
0: I really love your story, so I want to dive into that a little bit, especially I think it'll be interesting for my listeners who don't live in California because they don't run into people like you very often. (laughs) So um, is it correct to say that you are a former model or are you still modeling? Former, thank God. <laughs> okay. So, how old were you when you got into modeling and how did you get into modeling? Wow.
1: You're taking me back. Okay. So, uh I was 20. 20 years old and I thought I was on to big things. I had big dreams and I wanted to be in the fashion industry, but I didn't know exactly how, so I had gotten a scholarship to this really great fashion school. And I landed here in the Bay Area. We have Bay Area Rapid Transit, also known as BART. And I was standing on the platform of BART, headed to my first day of school. I remember it like yesterday. I know what I was wearing. I was ready to go. I had my bag, full scholarship. I was like, yes, this is it. The BART train rolled up, doors opened, doors closed, and I didn't end up going to that school And that day, I consciously made this decision without even realizing that I was going to go into a new direction that I didn't know. And I landed in a coffee shop in Berkeley. And at the time, I mean, this was, you know, 20 years ago, uh, drinking espresso and looking at the help wanted ads, right? Newspaper. And I saw this little tiny ad in the help wanted section for a in-house model. And I was like, what do I have to lose? And so I answered this ad and I was perfect for the job. And it kicked off my career slowly. I built clients and I got a great agent. I was, I was able to build a long, prosperous career for a good 18 years,
0: I guess. And was this print model work or were you like a runway model or what kind of modeling did you do?
1: All of it. That's a great question. So I did a lot of fashion and then a lot of commercial. So when you talk, when I talk about commercial, it's more lifestyle. Um, you know, Coca Cola ads. Um, you know, that toothpaste, uh, the girl next door. But mostly, I was in fashion. So I had, you know, The Gap, Levi's, Guess were my big clients. And again, super, super grateful to be able to work with these brands and build a career that I didn't know that I ended up loving at the time. And it was, I guess, a, a launch pad because it it offered me financial stability. You know, in 20 years ago, $800 a week was a lot of money yeah. for somebody my age. You know, some people are making $800 a month, you know, right. working two jobs. So I was able to save some money and really kind of set myself up.
0: So... Is modeling like what they show in the movies or portray in the movies where it's fantastic until you fall in line with the wrong people or fall into a situation where you're being kind of led astray? Explain the reality of that. So I think
1: there is that vision for sure that you can get involved with the wrong crowd. Uh, It's a lifestyle and it's different. I I don't know how different it is today because we're so social on social media, anybody can be this model now, and I'm air quoting. Right. But back then it was definitely, you know, do you have the right agent? Are you worth the right brands? Are you uh, worth the certain designers? And are you showing up at the right parties? So that, <laughs> that can take a toll. Sure. On somebody in their 20s, you know, in their, in their teens, because a lot of these girls start in their teens. I started later, right? And being able to navigate that can be very challenging.
0: And that's a big part of your story. Yeah. I was
1: in Los Angeles at the time and it really is about like who you're hanging out with, what parties you're going to. It was easy to chase that dream. It was easy to stay in it. And luckily for me, I was able to do that. And I got involved with celebrities and was able to live that lifestyle. But that lifestyle also took its toll on me. You know, so by the, in my late twenties, I was burnt out, broken. My body was giving out on me. Uh, I was completely, you know, bouncing from anorexia to bulimia. I had a wicked bad drinking problem and I didn't know. I just, I thought everybody was like me. When you're sitting next to Hollywood's
0: A-list and they're doing the same thing, you don't think you have a problem. All right. So yeah, of course, when everybody around you is doing that, and like you said, it's a lifestyle, Mm -hmm. you don't have a frame of reference, especially when you're young. And I'm sure you grew up like the rest of us watching TV and magazines, and you're like, this is what I should aspire to be. Yep. And this is the lifestyle that everybody wants and celebrities and money and fun. And so I'm not surprised that you ended up being burnt out on it because that's not a realistic, you know, on TV, sure, we see that, but it's, you know, it's not reality. And so when when humans actually try to live that what they're seeing on TV every day, I mean, that's not what our bodies are supposed to be doing every day. No. So talk to me like about when you realized that this was not going to be a sustainable way of living. Right. So I realized Thanksgiving. It was a it was a Thanksgiving. And again, I remember it like it was yesterday.
1: I had this brilliant idea to cook my turkey in Jack Daniel's and because I thought that it would just be better and I remember waking up the next day the turkey was still sitting there two boxes of wine were gone and the bottles were all over the house and I don't I had no idea what had happened
0: you're awake Thanksgiving day thinking, I'm going to make this awesome turkey in the Jack Daniels. Yeah. And then you're waking up Friday and yeah. turkey hasn't been cooked and there's stuff everywhere. Stuff is, yeah, it's just, it's mayhem.
1: And I, and I realized right then I was like, I hadn't had a blackout like that where I was in like, what just happened? It was like, I came to, it was like, oh my God, I I, I can't, I have no recollection. And so I told myself, okay, I'm, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink anymore. And so I tried and it was like two weeks later, I, um, you know, beat up my best friend and I gave her a concussion and put her in the hospital. Wow. And it was kind of like what, again, and I had no recollection of it. And the reason why, the reason why I know that I did this is A, a friend of mine took photos of it. And back then we had to go get the photos printed, right? At Thrifties or Walgreens. Right. And so all of a sudden we're looking at what I had done because nobody nobody talked about it and I didn't see my best friend after that. And I didn't see her for a good 5 years after that. Because what happened to me is that I just thought, "Oh, she's doing her thing and I'm doing my thing." And so then I told myself again, I'm not going to drink. And again, 2 weeks later, I was drunk and I didn't know what I didn't know how I got in my car. I didn't know how I got down the street and so finally had this like something's wrong. Like what, what's going on here, right? I ended up being in Boston with friends, and I remember again like it was yesterday. You know, the the host poured me a half a glass of white wine, and I can't stand white wine. I'd never drank white wine, and I sipped it, and I put it down, and that was it. And I didn't plan on it being my last drink. I didn't plan on never drinking again it's just i found my way into recovery after that night and i haven't had to pick up or use anything since that time
0: what did that mean for your career then
1: so at the time again like i'm hanging out with a listers and doing all the deal and i i knew that everything had to change so i went into my agent and i said you know i'm i'm st- quitting drinking, like I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and she's like, God, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's wonderful. And she said, You you realize your whole life is going to change now. And I I had no idea. I was like, okay, sure, whatever. You know, I'm 20 something, right? And like, great. And what ended up happening is that I I got better clients. For about a year and a half, I jumped to the next another level in my career. And after that, my body started to break down and I guess the years of not taking care of myself and all the abuse that I had put myself through that year of recovery gave me enough time to actually understand that, Oh, I have to actually take care of my body. And so I ended up at, you know, the doctors and they had no idea what was going on with me. And, you know, they said now, now you have to like, you got to stop everything. And so I was able to take time off and kind of reevaluate and, Dig into different types of medicine, because the doctors had no idea why I was losing my hair. They had no idea why my white blood count was as it was. They had no idea what was wrong. There were less than a hundred studies on, you know, the, the immune system and what was going on with me. So it was pretty it was a very scary time for me, but I trusted that now that I was sober, that my, you know, God hadn't brought me that far to then make me ill and sick, that there was actually some kind of intervention happening to me, and that I had to take a different path.
0: That's awesome. So when you took this time off to work on your recovery, did you go to a facility? Did you do it at home with, you know, the 12-step programs? Or what what was that process for you?
1: Yeah. I went through twelve step. I didn't go into a program. I just showed up every day three, four times a day. Three times, four times, you know, like just all in.
0: What I find is interesting is that at a young age, your body was suffering the repercussions of that lifestyle. Oh, yeah. You know, usually you hear people around that age, they they have addiction issues. They go in and it's mostly a mental thing that they have to overcome. Obviously, addiction is also actually physiological, but most people are working on the mental or emotional problems that led them to addiction. Correct. And they're not having to deal with that, plus all the physical problems that you are having. Correct. So now you're taking action, you're in recovery, and you're you know following a program in terms of how to stay clean. But on top of that, you have this added stress and pressure of fixing your physical body because now you're ready to have a different life, but your body's not allowing it. Yep. So you've gone to a bunch of doctors. They don't know what's wrong. They agree that something's wrong,
1: Yeah. right? But they just yeah. don't
0: know what it is.
1: They have no idea.
0: So what happens next? What did you decide to do after that?
1: So this is where I really dove into the alternative medicine arena and I really took, I took my health into my own hands. And I remember praying like, show me a solution. And as a result of that little prayer, I was introduced to a holistic doctor who brought me back to basics, honestly, like fruits and vegetables, like let's just eat fruits and vegetables and uh, supplements because I was so malnourished and unbalanced. And so we did that for, I think that was like four months and everything changed everything within me changed and i felt like i was a new person people were like who what happened wait a minute you were on death's bed you were yellow and now like we've never seen you like this I remember going into my agent she was like what <laughs> like, wait a minute and it was really like this liberating experience of like the first time of really trusting in something bigger and beyond me right like i truly believe that there was something else happening in my body, but I had the courage and the discipline to go through the process because it's not easy to give up Diet Coke, right? Like when you're living on Diet Coke and Snickers bars, it's not easy to right. eat vegetables every day. It's not easy to you know, drink green juice, but I was so, I mean, I was dying and I just like surrendered and said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to do whatever it's gonna take to heal my body. So I felt really good. And I went and visited my agent and I said, you know what, I, I think I'm in a place right now where I need to explore a deeper, I need to explore service. And so I went on this, I went on a, a journey and traveled. I landed in Southeast Asia and that kind of kicked off this deeper path on meditation, deeper into prayer and really investigating, you know, this inside journey. Like it doesn't have to be out there. I was looking outside of myself for
0: answers. Yeah, it kind of reminds, I never read the book, but it kind of reminds me of Eat, Pray, Love. Mm,
1: yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, ne- I never read the book, but the concept kind of reminds me of the same. And I think what you're saying is your body gets to a point where it's telling you like you're not living right you know, yep. whether that's on a physical level, an emotional level, a spiritual level, and you were able to take the time to explore that because your life depended on it. 100%. You said, you know, you said it quickly, but a few minutes ago, you said that you're, you were yellow. You know, it, that means that there's a liver problem happening. You know, that means uh, something's not right. If you're, if, if you, people look at you and they see you as a yellow-skinned <laughs> person. Right. Right you know, that's not right. I mean, uh, well, my audience can't see you, but you're like a blonde haired, blue eyed, (laughs) Caucasian woman. So, right. uh, You know, and if you're a model, obviously it matters what your skin looks like. So yes, not only did your livelihood depend on it, but your actual life depended on you making a change.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: When we come back, I want to get into some of the various fad diets that I know you toyed with and, mm-hmm. and your experience with that. And then I want to dive uh, deeper into your meditation practice. Awesome. Hey, friends, I'm so looking forward to season two of Josiology. My guests and I are going to be talking about how to simplify our lives by getting back to basics so we can live better. We are also gonna be talking about how to tackle the events that are part of this middle stage of life. Stay tuned by subscribing on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. If you haven't found me already, I hang out on Instagram under the handle at Podcast or on Facebook in the Joseology Podcast private Facebook group. Those two places are where you will really get to know me best. You will need a password to get into the private Facebook group, though, so the password for today is stillness. See you there. So, Lane, at the top of the show, I said in your intro that you are a professional biohacker. So can you explain to us what that means? Well, as I
1: shared, right, taking my body into my own hands, because the doctors kind of were blueless. I started learning about how the body works and I started testing. And so anybody can be a biohacker at any time, but I've now have you know, a cumulative of like 20 years of looking at how the human body actually functions. And so, you know, it's looking at the hormones, right? It's looking at the digestive system. It's looking at the brain. It's looking at all the chemical processes that we have and recording that data people used to laugh at me. They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I need to know what's happening. Like you put something in the human body and there would be a reaction. So I learned over time, uh, you know, that eggs, which I love eggs, but every time I put them in my body, I was like, something's not right. Something's not, not quite good. I learned that, you know, eating any kind of flour, wheat, I should say, specifically, made my stomach hurt, my digestion, that that process would shut down. So after recording all this kind of data for years, I would begin to test, like if I take L-glutamine, what happens, which is a supplement. If I take high doses of vitamin C, what happens? If I get off of all technology, what happens? And so really kind of investigating my personal reactions, I can then look at ha- what's happening with someone else, right? And start recording what they're doing and help them kind of navigate it because not everybody's going to be a biohacker. Not everybody has the time or the energy or the space to be a biohacker and to do the research. And so it can be that simple of recording the data, but then you have to know what to do with it. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. And you're right. It takes a lot of effort. I'm somewhat, I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say I'm a biohacker, but I'm someone who's very interested in those kind of holistic approaches to things because I have an autoimmune disease. I am a celiac and I am also a dentist. That's my profession. So I am a fan of Western medicine, but Western medicine can fail a lot of people who are still sick and still have something wrong with them. You know, in other words, you go, you get all your testing done, you get you know, and the doctors go, yeah, I believe you that you're not feeling good, but I don't know why because all the tests are coming back fine. Correct. I myself have had an endoscopy and colonoscopy because I've had digestive stuff thinking maybe there's a tumor or maybe there's some major thing. Nope, everything's squeaky clean in there. Okay, right. well, great, but that doesn't explain why I feel terrible. Right. So it is you know, like you said, you have to be your own health advocate and ultimately take matters into your own hands if you're not finding people that are helping you. And so you learn a lot, you try different things, test different things out. I think in our culture, everybody wants a quick fix, but there is no such thing because it took years for your body to get into the state that it's in, where it is broken, and it might take that long to get out of it. Yeah, but without you being your own health advocate, it's going to take that much longer. So I can appreciate because I know how much studying I've done for my own um, issues, how much work you put into yeah. restoring your body.
1: Yeah, yeah. The other thing is that you know, I, I mean, I've taught classes, I've been trained because there's so there's so many different paths. You know, so many different people that are saying this is the way. Right. Right. This is the correct way. This is going to fix the problem. Keto is the way high fat is the way, you know, plant base, you know, whatever it is. But I truly believe it's like, if you listen to your body and find out who you are and what you are and look at your gene expression, your actual DNA, you can find out so much more. Right. And this is where I think a true biohacker lives. And that's why I don't think there's a lot of biohackers out there that are actually doing this work. Because it's very specific and takes time. It takes right. time to learn it, right? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, you, you know, you hit it on the head. Everyone, you know, whether you're vegan or gluten-free or keto, mm-hmm. everyone insists that that way is the right way for all people. But no, we are all made so differently and yeah. ge- and our DNA is so different and genes yeah. get expressed or turned on differently. But there is no one way. And so you have to test things out. Correct. And by testing it out, it's not like, oh, I'll try it one or two days or for a week and see if that works. I mean, you have to invest in Mm -hmm. a chunk of time before you can see if this is something that's helping your body or not. Right. So fast forward to the one consistent thing in your life that you credit to saving your life is the meditation.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: You were traveling abroad. That's when you really kind of started to dive into learning more about that. And tell me how it transformed you from there.
1: It started, you know, one minute at a time, looking at a candle to quiet the chatter. And over the years, it's grown and it's changed, right? Like I would sit there and just be quiet. And then I changed that practice to writing and I would just write and write and write and not even think about what I was writing. And then I would do walking meditations. And it's, again, it's, it's just quieting that chatter that keeps me focused on what's important, right? Because when, when I sit in total stillness, there is a very small voice that I can connect with. And it will tell me, you probably shouldn't eat that, you know, French bread anymore, right? I can just go through my life and blare through it and not even be paying attention. But when I meditate, I am asked to pay attention. And then I'm asked to take action on it. And I don't want to live in that pain anymore, you know, anxiety or depression. And the thing with my meditation over the years, it's evolved and it's had to change because I as a person have evolved and changed. And I think. I got stuck in like, this is how I'm supposed to do it. Right. That can be a hard place to live in.
0: Right. I think some of those things, uh, messages that we get can be damaging. Again, one size does not fit all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have dabbled with regular meditation over the years. Um, I'm not very good at it <laughs> I mean, because I do have a mind that constantly is talking and thinking. And, you know, so for me... I will, I will never get to the point where I can completely empty my mind. And I don't know that I want to get there. I have found what works for me is to sit quietly and try not to have any stimulus coming at me because we don't realize how much is coming at us all the time in this day and age. Mm-hmm. So if I could just find a moments of pause, quiet times throughout the day where I can just sit and be still and then for me, I've chosen to focus on a truth. Mm-hmm. So it's almost mm-hmm. like a, what people would call a mantra or yep. you know, a phrase or a verse or something that I can focus on that I know to be true. Mm-hmm. For me, I am a Christian and so I tend to pick a Bible verse or something like that to focus
1: mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm.
0: That can look different for all different kinds of people. And I I think that no matter what your frame of reference is for meditation, the bottom line is you're getting quiet so that you can hear mm-hmm. past all the distraction that we call life. Correct.
1: I think it's also connecting to whether you want to call it God or source. I know without a shadow of a doubt, Josie, that when I am in that meditative state, I am somewhere else. I am connected to something else. And it is, I can't explain it. I don't try to explain it, but it's nothing that I can, um, again, I can't put words to it because it is so pure and beautiful. And it's, it's love like that. That's the closest thing that I can put a word, you know, a phrase around it. In that meditative state, everybody's different. Again, we go back to that unique thing, right? Everybody has their way to meditate and there's no doing it wrong. Like what you said, like I think I'm doing it wrong, but there's no doing it wrong. There's stillness, and that is that means you're winning. Like anything that you can do to bring your beta, your high beta brain down into an alpha state, you know, you're going to see results.
0: Um, now I understand that you also are teaching meditation. Uh, you're in the San Francisco area, right, the Bay Area? Yeah. So what does that look like? Because I know you have a website and you put on some courses. So do you teach locally? Do you teach remotely? I think you have an app. Yeah. So
1: I have local classes. I have a local studio that I teach out of, which is fantastic, uh, Yoga Flow SF. And what's wonderful about teaching at a location is that there's a community that's built. And so people from, you know, there's high tech entrepreneurs there, there's moms there, there's grandmas You know, school teachers, everybody can come together and it creates a community, which is fantastic because then people are still and calm and then talking about important things or non-important things, but their connection. I almost want to associate it to like when you go to church, there's a community, right? There's a sense of belonging that happens, which is amazing. And then I also teach online. I have on my website meditations that people can download and just grab and then they can do it by themselves because I can't be everywhere, right? Everybody's not in San Francisco. (laughs) So that's really great. And then, yeah, I have an app, uh, which is really just about yoga nidra, which is the meditation that has completely changed my life. And it's all about connecting more deeply to yourself.
0: What are some common misconceptions that people have about meditation? No, it's some like hippie guru, you know, like You got to follow that person or something,
1: you know, and that's like so far from that. Another misconception is like, um, well, I can't be still. My mind is chattering, which is absolutely normal. The mind is supposed to chatter. It's going to chatter. Uh, Another misconception is I have to sit up and be rigid and it's uncomfortable. No, you don't. Uh, Another misconception is like having a mantra. I have to be given a mantra by somebody. No, you don't. So it, meditation can be what you want it to be as long as you gain stillness in the mind.
0: Now, meditation can be controversial in differing faith backgrounds. So how can we distill it down so that meditation is not conflicting with people's varying beliefs?
1: So meditation is not connected to a religion. There's no specific religion that it. it it's like, that's what it is. Meditation is a practice that you can teach yourself because it's actually like a skill, right? So it is a it is a practice that you can embody by yourself.
0: For listeners who want to learn more about meditation and how they can use it in their lives, are there any books that you would recommend? There's so
1: many great books out there. Um, there's like, you can go so basic and like do meditation for dummies, right? Like somebody who's just starting and there's also so many articles online. You know, how do I meditate? Just keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. And I'm not giving a book specific because there's so, like, I could give you Pima Children, but then people might be thinking, oh, but that's more of this certain specific philosophy. I don't want to send people down different people's philosophy. I want them to research and find it themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the key is that I think, like you said, there people can make meditation be whatever it's going to be to suit themselves, what they're needing, what their lifestyle allows, what their belief system allows. Yep. And so you almost have to do a cursory study of it if you want to learn more and then yep. just take whatever pearls you glean from that and apply it to your life. Yeah. There is no right or wrong way of doing it. Nope. There is no, you know, no one's, there's no like meditation police who's gonna say like you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So the concept is just practicing being still, honestly. Yep. Practicing being still and taking moments of pause to check in with yourself, to check in with God, to check in with, you know, what the reality is of your existence. Mm -hmm. And so that you can kind of regroup, reboot, you know, and refresh yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually have two clients that are Christians, very strong faith based, and they have uh, daily prayer books that they use. And they will take a piece of that and meditate just on, you know, one sentence out of that. And that's a really simple way to stay connected to their faith, but then begin to get into their meditative process.
0: Right. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show in your intro that you yourself are an author. So I want to hear about your book. Yay. (laughs) Uh,
1: So this was a book that, you know, I wrote it and then I didn't do anything with it. And it's called Grace Happens. And I wanted to share how to live fearlessly because I feel like so many people are caught up in doubt. And instead of just putting themselves out there, they stay quiet and small. And so the book is really about getting quiet and hearing that small voice and then taking action on it so you can live a beautiful, bright life and really attain and reach the goals that you want, right? We all have dreams and hopes, but so many just stay small and play small. So the book is a short, easy read with exercises on how to reach and accomplish your vision So, to speak, of what you want. Awesome.
0: And I'll have links to it in my show notes. So, if listeners are working out right now or jogging, whatever, they are driving. When you get back to a place where it's safe, then Mm -hmm. you can log in to the joseology.com website for this show and it'll have the show notes and links to Lane's book there. Awesome. Lane, how is your health doing now? So, yesterday
1: I was thinking about how I don't have the, I used to have chronic pain and I was thinking yesterday, I was like, I don't even have, like, I forgot what that feels like. You know, I'm like moving around in my life. I don't have to put the cream and the heat pads on anymore. I don't wake up in the middle of the night. I used to be riddled with depression every day and it's gone. It's like been removed. And the only thing that I've done well and exceptional and I keep refining and defining is my meditation practice right my my food is clean i'm out i'm social so all those things are like those things have not changed but this meditation practice is the thing that i keep working on i keep building i keep tweaking and that practice i wholeheartedly believe has transformed my health i'm glad to hear that
0: yeah thanks i'd like to leave our listeners with maybe one or two actionable steps you know something that they can implement today to either start some form of meditation in their lives or to take action when it comes to their own health. So what would you suggest for them?
1: I would suggest eating more fruit. That's the first thing. I feel like nobody eats fruit anymore because so many people have said, don't eat fruit, there's too much sugar in it. So eat fruit. Uh, And then the second thing is for meditation is just make a decision that you're gonna do it, right? Because so many people are like, oh, well, I gotta research that. Well, okay. Research it and do it. You know, like set an alarm on your phone and just start with one minute a day. And I share, like I uh, work with the, the police department and I joke with them about like everybody goes to the bathroom. You can meditate right there in the bathroom. Nobody's going to bother you. Right. <laughs> Take an extra minute because that could, that could start your meditation just right there. So those are my,
0: those are my two tips. But That's a good one, actually. Yeah, you're already there in the bathroom. You might as well start, yeah. <laughs> start being still. For
1: moms, like you have kids and two-year-olds or five-year-olds, and they're always like, ah, right? But when that door closes, when you're in the bathroom, no, nobody's going in there with you.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Lane, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really just love your story because I feel like In your, you know, 40-ish years, you've lived a lot of life Mm -hmm. and you've gone through a lot. You've kind of lived a lot of little girls' dreams of becoming a, a, you know, famous model and hanging out with celebrities and living that lifestyle. And your story is one of like, yeah, that's fine and good until it's not. Mm -hmm. When it's not, then you really have to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps figure out how to fix yourself and look for ways to live a healthy life and to be connected. And so I've really enjoyed getting to know you better through your story. Thank you for all the work that you're doing now on this side of your experience, Mm -hmm. um, just to help people connect with themselves and tune into themselves and fight for themselves really, because no one else is going to do that for them. I'm looking forward to reading your book. And um, I wanted to point people to your website if they wanted to learn more about you or the other services that you offer. So if you can tell our listeners what that website is.
1: Yeah, it's just my name, lanekennedy.com. Super easy. Thanks, Josie.
0: Thank you for listening to Josieology. Be sure to visit josieology.com to access the show notes and discover fantastic bonus content. To join the conversation, find us on Facebook or Instagram with username at Joseology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.